0: Okay,
1: so we'll jump in. Okay. So my name is Sydney Carbonic, and today we're going to talk about the iceberg that broke off a few weeks ago in the Antarctica. Uh, For those of you that don't know, this rift was actually being monitored by scientists, which means that its break was in fact anticipated. The iceberg is a whopping 5,800 square kilometers wide, which to my knowledge is quite a historical feat. So I'm here today with Dr. Juliana Marson. Could you do a brief introduction of yourself and then give like a little overview of your background and yeah.
0: Sure. So I I was born in Brazil. Mm-hmm. I lived there until a couple of uh, years uh, ago when I moved to Edmonton. Uh, and before coming here, I studied the Arctic for the Antarctica for quite some time. Um, So my background is in oceanography, and I studied mostly sea ice uh, in Antarctica. And then I came here, and I was interested in understanding a little bit more about the Arctic, the other pole. So, And right now, I'm working exactly with icebergs. So basically, I'm working with numerical models, uh, like those that we use to... um, forecast the, the weather, for example, but I use them for icebergs. So basically, we try to um, determine the general distribution of iceberg, in my case, around Greenland.
1: When I was reading these articles, the number one thing that was coming across my mind was, is this a normal occurrence?
0: By normal if it's like every day you have an iceberg that size forming the answer is no <laughs> it's uh, quite rare uh, icebergs uh, indeed uh, are created basically every day it's it's a natural process but not that big so basically uh, um, icebergs on this of this size they break off in the scale of decades so the last one that was, also big, uh, was uh, broke off from Antarctica also in uh, 2000. So you see 17 years between one and the other. So it's quite a, ha- a rare um, event.
1: The one that broke off in, you said, 2000?
0: Yeah, it was twice as big as this one. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. That was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that was the largest one, uh, named B-15. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. So it is... Technically normal in a sense. Icebergs forming, the smaller ones, like in the sixty meters, hundred meters length, things like this are quite are quite normal. But this size is quite rare.
1: So, could you explain how a rift like this would begin?
0: Sure. So, uh, Larsen C, which is the the ice shelf from where the iceberg broke off there are platforms of ice that are attached to land, and they float in the ocean. So, basically, a shelf, right? This uh, platform, it can bend because of its own weight. Where it's not attached to the land, it can bend because uh, of its own weight or it can move also due to waves in the ocean and tides. So as this uh, platform bends, it ends up doing these rifts. And also, if you have um, warming, for example, you can thin these ice shelves and make them easier to break.
1: A lot of scientists disagree on the cause of the event. I would say probably half say that it's climate change induced? Do you know why they disagree? Uh,
0: any individual event is quite difficult for you to point a uh, cause for them. So there, there was a professor of mine that gave me an example that I like very much to understand this. So let's say you live, for example, in the southeast part of the town and you come to the university every day and you have to be here like at nine o'clock in the morning, right? And to do this, you take your car and you drive uh, White Avenue. So, I know that in a larger sense, between 8.30 and 9, you will be at some point in White Avenue. So, I can predict this with uh, quite a level of certainty, but I cannot predict as certain if you'll be what part of White Avenue you will be. If you'll be in front of one store or uh, one pub, a specific pub, it's quite difficult for me. So uh, it's the same thing with climate. Uh, you can usually predict the general trends, the large-scale uh, processes, but the smaller stuff, for example, one iceberg forming, is quite difficult for you to say this iceberg Breaked off because of this, specifically. So oh. that's why there is a huge um, disagreement around this. That being said, it's, uh, virtually every scientist agree that climate is changing, and it's leaving its fingerprints, especially on polar regions. They are quite sensitive to uh, climate change. Antarctic Peninsula, for example, where Larsen Sea is located, uh, has warmed uh, three times more than the average, uh, the global average, in the last 50 years. So it's unlikely that this change has nothing to do with uh, events like this. So we cannot say that um, it's, uh, we, we are cer- certain that climate change caused the iceberg to break off. Because, as I said before, icebergs form all the time. But probably this type of changes, like the warming of the air, warming of water, which is, was also already um, registered before, and also changes of the wind circulation around Antarctica that is pumping this warm water to be more in contact with these ice shelves. Those processes, they... Make the ice shelf thinner and thinner, so they are more susceptible to break. Um, so will they agree at some point on this particular event? Maybe uh, it's not sure, but it's interesting how uh, on the uh, in the past, not so far away ago, uh, ninety five, for example, Larsen A completely broke off. And then in 2002, Larsen B was gone. So we see that this uh, trend of breaking off the, the the shelves are migrating southwards near to the pole. So maybe uh, the influence of the, this climate change is reaching more and more inwards the the, the Antarctic continent.
1: So Larsen A, Larsen B, and Larsen C, those are all adjacent ice shelves?
0: Yeah. Uh, the two first don't exist anymore. They broke off completely. So you have the Antarctic Peninsula and uh, the northernmost, or that means that the closest one to the South America is Larsen A okay. and then Larsen B and then Larsen C. And then we have D too, but it's uh, uh, narrow.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, and A and B are gone and C now we have the, the, the iceberg was formed, which does not mean that the, the ice shelf itself is entirely gone. It, it lost that area of the iceberg, but for now, that's it. And we are still waiting to see uh, how it progresses, if it will break off completely, will disintegrate compre- completely, or uh, if it will still be stable and continue now as it is.
1: Okay, great. So when scientists are studying that iceberg, what types of evidence are they looking for to conclude that it was climate change-induced?
0: For Larsen B., for example, the year that it broke off, uh, it was a quite extreme uh, year. The temperatures were uh, reached uh, record uh, numbers there, uh, and there were lots of meltwater on top of the ice shelf. And they think that this uh, was the main evidence that pointed that was indeed the warmer temperatures that helped uh, this ice shelf to disintegrate. Because when you have lots of meltwater on the top of of the ice shelf and you have those cracks on the ice, the meltwater enter these cracks. And once the meltwater freezes again, it expands. Like, for example, we know here when you see, for example, in the uh, sidewalk, you see lots of cracks. And in the winter, the water enters there and then it freezes and then it cracks even more. So it's the same thing with uh, ice shelves. So if you have lots of melt water, this melt water will uh, enter these cracks. And once it freezes, it expands and then it widens the crack. So that also facilitates... Uh, the formation of icebergs.
1: So a big chunk of the article was saying that this iceberg break does not affect anyone.
0: Is that true? Uh, for this particular iceberg, I could say it is true, because the once the iceberg melts, it won't change the sea level in any way because it's it's like when you have water and ice in your glass and once the ice melts, the water doesn't change the level. So basically it doesn't affect in this sense. But uh, we have to think that if um, the, the climate continues to change and events like this become more likely to happen, then uh, these ice shelves, as they break off, uh, they um, unleash the glaciers that are on land. So let me go back a little bit. The ice shelves are formed because the glaciers flow like rivers of ice to the ocean. And this ice starts accumulating and forming these ice shelves. Once you remove the ice shelf, you remove this uh, buttressing effect that the ice shelf has has on the um, on the glaciers so the glaciers are allowed to flow faster and discharge more ice to the ocean and the ice that are that is on the glaciers this ice affects sea level because it's not on the ocean already it is still on land so as it leaves land and enters the ocean then the sea level will rise so once you remove the ice shelves the ice shelves begin to, to break off and unleash these glaciers, then you are moving the ice that was once on land to the ocean, and then you increase sea ice. Uh, I'm sorry, you increase uh, sea level.
1: Okay. So that's that's kind of what the scientists mean when they say this ice shelf break puts the ice shelf in a vulnerable position.
0: I guess they, they're they're saying more in the sense of uh, the iceberg broke off the shelf and now it has a new shape, and they don't know exactly if this shape is stable, because for example the, before the iceberg break uh, break off, uh, the the ice shelf was stable for at least five hundred seventy years, so it was more or less in that shape, and now it decreases by 10% in size. So they don't know if this uh, ice shelf, the way it is now, is, is stable and will continue the size that it is, or, may, or maybe will increase a little bit, or if it will uh, disintegrate as it happened with uh, Larsen I, A, and, and B. What happens uh, with, with the stability of the ice shelf is that usually the ice have some anchor points on the topography. So, for example, for Larsen C, there are a couple of rises in the in the bottom of the ocean that the ice shelf can anchor itself in. So, if you bro- if you break a piece of of ice and you remove these anchorage points, then maybe the ice cannot sustain itself and it breaks off more easily. So that is what they mean by stable ice shelf. So they don't know if it will remain the way it is now, or if in 10, 20 or 30 years, it will end up as Larsen B and disappear completely.
1: So based on your experience, is there anything that's missing from either the conversation we're having or the conversation that the media is having about this event? Yes,
0: um, it's, it's linked to what I am studying in the moment. So uh, my interest, because I'm an ocean person, so I always look to the ocean, right? So my interest is uh, the the impact that the icebergs have on the ocean. Uh, In this case, a large piece of ice was removed uh, from uh, that region, the coastal region of the Antarctic Peninsula which means that more ocean will be exposed now to the atmosphere. You don't have that ice anymore between the two of them. And what happens is now the ocean can lose more heat to the atmosphere. And that makes the uh, ocean uh, water colder and therefore denser. Kind of like heavier, if you think. and. This heavy water is important to ocean circulation because it sinks and it then creates a movement like a conveyor belt. So for this uh, region of uh, Antarctica, if you remove a large piece of ice like this, you probably induced more uh, formation of this dense water and you can um, increase... The, the amount of movement that it generates on the ocean.
1: Why is that movement important?
0: Yeah, that's a very good question. <laughs> so, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm talking more in large scale here, but um, the part of the ocean circulation is driven by uh, density differences in the ocean. So the dense water, which is cold and salty, it sinks, and warm water and less salty water, rises. So when this happens, you have this movement like a conveyor belt. And you have, uh, in average, you have this movement of the ocean uh, going from the uh, tropics to the poles. So you have like two conveyor belts going from the tropics to the poles. So they sink at the poles because they become very cold at the poles and they go through the bottom of the ocean and then they rise around the the tropics because they become warm and then they go back through the surface again towards the poles and then sink again. No one talked about that in any of the articles that I read. Yeah, yeah, it's quite interesting. And plus, so that's that's the difference there, uh, because I'm studying um, Greenland right now. And for Greenland is a little bit different because the icebergs are actually uh, make make waters less dense where they melt because they introduce fresh water into the ocean. and fresh water, is light, so it tends not to sink. So contrary to the Antarctic uh, region where these dense waters form really close to the continent margins, uh, here in the northern hemisphere, these dense waters, they form usually uh, in the middle of the ocean. And the icebergs are reaching those regions in the middle of the ocean. So they melt there. And therefore, we are trying to ascertain if the melting of these icebergs here in the Northern Hemisphere will affect also uh, the, the sinking of, of dense waters or not. So the two regions are a little bit different, but uh, icebergs are important in both regions uh, in moving fresh water around and um, possibly changing the ocean circulation. How does this event impact your studies? Um, So as I mentioned, I I, uh, work with uh, numerical models. And those numerical models, basically, they use equations to describe the um, movement and melting of the icebergs. Uh, It's quite difficult to observe icebergs. Uh, especially the, the small ones, because satellites cannot uh, actually differentiate between small icebergs and uh, marine ice, which we we'll call sea ice. So it's quite difficult to, to understand them. But in this case, as you saw, all ice are on this iceberg. So we'll probably have lots of data to work with and understand a little bit more of the iceberg uh, physics what drives them, what melts them, then improve our models to be able to predict with more uh, accuracy uh, where these icebergs go and how they could impact the ocean circulation and also for uh, shipping activities, for example.
1: Okay, so in a sense, it kind of helps you.
0: It does. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> uh, it's a beautiful thing, actually. <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, we, we, we are happy to, to see that uh, happening, yeah. in a sense, because now is the time we have uh, more ways to watch this iceberg. Satellites were up only in the 80s, so we, it's quite recent. That we have ways to observe icebergs. Before that, is only when a ship passed by one and make a note on a, you know, on the, their notebook, and that was it. So now we have lots of ways to track them, and so that certainly will help us to understand a little better the physics uh, and the impacts that icebergs have on on the oceans.
1: Okay, awesome. Well, Juliana, I want to thank you again for taking the time to come talk to us. I learned a lot. <laughs> thank you. That was so much fun. Yeah.
0: Did you have fun? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I actually love to talk about about those things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, if you are a scientist, you have to love what you do, right? Uh-huh. So it's, uh, and you have to love to talk about it. <laughs>